Why do you think that uh, he saw an ox? Yeah, do you remember the, the, the First Nations when they came here and they gave us a drum? You know what was on the drum? The ox. It's the West Gate. The West Gate, uh, and, and scriptures, the ox is the West Gate too, and it is a symbol of strength. It's very interesting that, uh, that it's in Ezekiel and well as in Revelation. In Ezekiel it has the different beings with four different faces on it. And in Revelation, it has four different beings with four different faces. But it's the same thing. The, the, ox, it's, the ox is known for its strength. The eagle is the king of the air. The lion is the king of the jungle or, or the uh, wild animals. And man is the king of the intellect. So it's all four different areas. And like uh, Tom said, it's representing those four different qualities of, of the kingdom. Strength in all the areas. But we're an ox. When I first thought about it, I didn't like that. I wanted to be the eagle, too, <laughs> or at least the lion. <laughs> but the ox is something that I didn't really think about until Tom said something to me about it. And, and I, I go, yeah, that's on a drum. What are we doing here? We're plowing the hardest ground I've ever seen in my life. The West Gate is very, very hard ground, and that's why we're the ox, because he's called us with that type of heart that does not give up, that does not quit, to break through on something that's very hard to break through. It's absolutely necessary. It's one of the attributes of God. That ability to not quit. It's one of the attributes of Jacob. Remember, he says, I won't let go of you until you bless me. One of my favorite scriptures. It's that tenacity that God has in us. That tenacity that God wants us to have that we would press through. Not everybody has that. You know? Not everybody's called to the west side. But those who are called the west side... That's what the West Gate is. We are the West Gatekeeper. I've really come into understanding that and believing that like never before. We are the West Gatekeeper. What a responsibility. What an awesome responsibility. What authority he's given us. I went to a seminar yesterday, which I don't usually go to seminars. I don't like them because I usually hear about one or two things of interest, and that's about it, and I've blown a day. Well, this one I went to with Arthur Burke, and if you get a chance to go to any of this stuff, go to it. Because I sat and listened from 9 o'clock to 5 o'clock, and there was a lot of stuff that, that I kind of thought about, you know, and he gave a great understanding. And there was a lot of stuff I didn't even think about and he, he taught about. But it was a whole day filled with lots of different things uh, of interest. And, and I wanted to know those things because I want to know the authority we have. We have authority of dominion to break what the work of the enemy is. Powerful thing. And I want to walk it out. And the biggest trick of the enemy is to fool us to think we don't have that authority. We sit there with, with what we think is restrained, uh, and there's no restraint on us. We've been freed. We have the power and authority. One of my f- favorite little sayings I remembered from long ago is when they talk about a circus elephant. And you see them, and they're staked in the middle with this little old stake, or, you know, and they don't leave that stake. And you wonder why they don't, because they can pull it up. They put the whole pen up. But they don't pull it out because at the time they were, they were young, they were staked to it, and they couldn't pull it out when they were young. And they learned to work within that limit that was set for them. And so they just kept on going. And when they got big enough and strong enough to have the power to pull that off, they don't pull it out because they don't know they have it. You are like that elephant. We do not know we have that power. We've been given an authority, first as Christians, second as gatekeepers, to be able to do stuff that most people don't get to see to do. 
We've been given that. We are sons of the living God. And with sons of the living God, we have a tremendous power and tremendous authority to be able to touch things like that. What's the kingdom, guys? What do you have to have to have a kingdom? Yeah, well, first of all, you have to have what? You have to have a realm, don't you? Yeah. I mean, you're going to be a king, a king of what? You know, you have to have a king. You have to have a realm, okay? Uh, you have to have a ruler, and you have to exercise rulership. In the kingdom of God, our kingdom of heaven, we have Jesus as the ruler, correct? Okay. Then we have a realm, which is voluntarily submitted to. Why? We voluntarily submit to that realm of power. Why? Why is it voluntary? Because we have free will. Okay? Other kingdoms don't have free will. If you went to a, uh, like a king of a different country, you will submit because you're made to submit or you'll go to jail or lose your head. But in this we have a voluntary thing that we'll be able to submit to God if we, if we desire to. And in that submitting to God, uh, we exercise his rule and reign through us. For some reason, God chose to do that. He chose to use us individually to exercise his rule and reign. He could do it without us. doesn't need us to do it. But he chose to work that way. I don't know why, really. I have some ideas. But I, I really don't know why. But he asked you to have done that. Why do I say that? It's because the realm that I want to talk about is his realm here on earth right now? Trick question? Okay. His realm is where? Heaven. Where's heaven? It's in here. Yeah, you better have said that after all those weeks I've been talking about it. Yeah, it's in here. It's the realm of the unseen. It's the realm of the spirit, right? Okay. So we have a kingdom of rule and reign. That operates. That we have to learn to operate in that particular realm. We have to learn to operate in the spiritual things. We usually don't think of the spiritual things. Why? We have a very Western mind thought. We have a Western mind thought that thinks that if I can't see it, it's not real. We know up here that's not true, but that's not how we act. The truth, remember, is this. God spoke everything into being. Everything was based upon his word, and it comes from the kingdom. And everything that you see rests upon what was spoken. Okay, that's the truth. So the truth that we normally believe. We look at it and we say, well, the spirit realm somewhere around here. But he says that everything else will be rolled up like a scroll, the whole earth, the sky, everything else. And what will remain is his word. It's the only permanent thing. So his word is the spirit. Okay? His word is the spirit. And, and that's the real power that we deal with. Now, I want to talk about these dreams, visions, and uh, stuff that we have, like Tom had during a worship. And the reason I said it about kingdom and the realm is because that's the realm it works in. Now, this is going to throw some of you off a little bit, and I'm sorry. So we've been trained the wrong way. Now, first of all, I want to say a lot of it has to do with what I've been teaching in the, in the last few weeks, and I'm I did that for a reason, repeated a lot of stuff for a reason. But if you remember, we had a chart up there in the center of that was the spirit man. In the very center of the spirit man, the very bullseye of it was the spirit of God. And I said that for the spirit to come into your spirit man, that door, which God says, you know, he said, I'm knocking at the door. Whoever lets me in, I'll come in. 
That has to be open. That's that first love. And then when that first love is open, his presence, which I gave you about five or six scriptures, says that he actually literally dwells in us, comes and fills our spirit man. There's also, after the spirit man, there's some gates that gets to our soul, and there's our gates that get to our body. And I talked about those have to be sanctified. They have to be sanctified so God can flow through us, so that when we have an imagination, it would be when it's a sanctified imagination, that it hasn't been defiled by what we see. Okay. Now, Tom talked about the, uh, about the worship part, but I'm going to talk about some of the other parts of it. First of all, read, I want you guys to read 1 Corinthians 15.50. Come on. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit this kingdom. Wow. What do you mean flesh and blood can't inherit this kingdom? Aren't you going to inherit it? Cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in, in the flash and the twinkle of an eye. The last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised to imperishable. The promise is here is that there's a spirit realm and it's something we can't see. And it's an inheritance that we have, and it's a kingdom that we have to learn to move in. We don't usually think about moving in the spirit realm the same way. We usually think about the word of God, for example. What is the word of God for? What do we have the word? Hmm? To teach us. The plumb line. What else? Huh? Yeah, but what else is the word of God for? Now it says, you have this picture of Jesus with a sword, double-headed sword coming out of his mouth. What was that, supposedly? Word. So the word is to teach us an understanding, but it's something a lot more than that. The word of God, everything in heaven and earth rests on it. The word of God is the spirit realm. One part of it is to look and read and understand and to know. That's one part of it. And it's a very good purpose. And we have a plumb line. We learn what's right and what's wrong. But as my old pastor used to say, it's the menu. It's not the meal. And what he meant very simply by that is to bring you to the king of kings. The word of God is meant to be experienced. It's meant to be not just understood, but experienced. It's a, it's a place where you can move into worship with God. We usually stop. Now, this bothers a lot of people when we talk about that. Matter of fact, some of the, I, I, you know, I was looking at some of the translations that, that in NIV, which is my favorite, my favorite translation, is, and I was really kind of bugged by what, what it says, you know, because, uh, like, for example, uh, remember the, the scripture on uh, the sword that comes out of the mouth, uh, uh, Double-edged sword. I think it's Revelation. Very, very poorly translated. That's what everyone says. It says the, you know, when you read that, what do you think? The sword of the Spirit is the Bible. So you're going to go hit the enemy with the Bible. But the actual word for that is rhema, which is the spoken word of God. 
And that's why you get the pictures in, in Revelation of Jesus with a sword coming out of his mouth. It's a very, very well understood concept in the, in the Bible. Matter of fact, if you look at uh, uh, sword in mouth, if you look at Job 5.15, it says, it says, he saves the needy from the sword in their mouth. In other words, he saves them from their own words. Okay, and so in other words, it, it, the word, the idea of the sword is an idea of, of, of power and the things that you say of having power. And then it says in like Isaiah 49.2, he made my, um, he's made my mouth like a sharp sword. And then of course the revelation, there's two or three verses in there. And they all speak about the same type of thing that the sword coming out of the mouth. So we usually think of this Western mind think the things that we learn in the Bible. But when he's talking about the sword out of the mouth, he's talking about the spiritual realm of authority. He's talking about the spirit breathe word. So why am I going to that? I'm going to that for this reason. I believe we're supposed, the scriptures are not only for the understanding and, and the different things we're talking about in the relationship. But I think it's, it's a launching board into the kingdom is one of the things. You can read certain scriptures and go there and meditate on them. The presence of God will come on you. Or as Tom spoke about, you can go take a look at the different revelations in there. Why do you think he stuck those revelations there? Why, did, why would they put things like hair as white as snow and a sword coming up? Why would he do that? Why would that be in there? It's, a, it's an anchor. It's a, it's a place to start off to move into his presence. We are created to be spiritual beings. Remember what it says? Flesh and blood won't inherit this thing. It's kingdom things. And we're meant and designed to move in the kingdom. We're, be, we're designed to do as Tom did, saw the vision, and enter into that. Now he'll tell you, as he mentioned to you, that when he does, all he does is feel the presence of God. That's the purpose. God's purpose is to give us a place of springboards into his presence. And that's what the scriptures are designed for. A springboard to that. Now that messes with a lot of people's thoughts, especially if they've had some very, very bad theology that's in the church today. That, 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 and that actually that theology comes from a very legalistic, uh, religious spirit type of point of view. But that's not how it was written. It was not written to people that were humanistic. It was written to people that were supernatural. You talk to the whole culture was written to the Jewish culture way back then, not now. They were spiritual people. They believed in a God that saved, had the power to save. They believed in supernatural power, and they believed that that was much more powerful than what they saw. That's a big difference. You know, we see a history of Israel coming to its own and falling, coming to its own and falling. And what did they fall from? You remember? Idolatry. You know what idolatry is? Yeah. It's wanting power and not getting what you want. And so you go somewhere else to get it. Now, that stopped in Babylon. They had 2,700 years of not, not doing that anymore. Why? Because they went from being a supernatural being to people to becoming a people 
that believed in their education, their understanding, and all the other stuff like that. When they moved into that, they stopped falling into idolatry because they were already <laughs> they were in something else. They're in humanism, form humanism here. And so it's very hard to talk to us and for us to move out of, of everything we've, we've seen. This country was established on the ideas of God. But very quickly it went to the ideas of education. Then it went to the jobs. Then it went to, uh, 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 well, I can tell you what it is today. The new one on the block, the new thing on the block is government. That's what's, that's what's Obama's new thing he's moved into. It's government. The government's going to save you. Before it was your education will save you, get you through. Your job will save you through. Your entrepreneurship will get you through. But now it's the government's going to get you through. But it ain't going to get you through. Though they think they're going to do it this time, I believe that God's going to turn this thing upside down and show where the real power comes from, but not before we go through some really hard times. But my purpose today is to talk about what we're called to see. It's very hard to move out of the world's point of view that we have here, but we have to. We have been given the scriptures for the purpose of not only understanding God, but to move in the intimacy with them, to be moved into worship with them, because you worship in God if you... Meditate on the scriptures, day and night, remember it says in the scriptures. New age term now, but it's not new age. It was God's term that they perverted. If you meditate on day and night, you know, you have this presence of God. If you take a look at the different places in the Bible as, 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 uh, uh, a stepping off place in the thing, then you can. What did Einstein say about time? You ever think about that? Einstein said time was not the same. It goes and gone. It's like a book that opens up. There's different pages that coexist at all time. God is outside of time. We can enter into the things of God at any time we want. That's why he can, uh, Tom can sit there and start praying and get caught up with God and end up seeing something that we don't see. Because it exists here today, but we chose to close off our eyes because we haven't believed. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to see those things. The scriptures are the place to be able to begin that. I taught you about the stuff, about the, all the different gates, so that they would be clean, so that when you would move into something with your imagination, you would not end up showing porno pictures in your mind. Uh, guys, we have to go through that stuff all the time. There's billboards, and the girls walk around half undressed. They can't, that can't be what rules our spirit. Cannot be what rules our soul. If it is, that's what we're going to see when we move into there. But if we allow ourselves to be clean up, we're going to see the things of the kingdom, which is the intention of it. And the intention of the enemy is to foul every one of those gates up so you'll see his kingdom. That's why I taught you that the kingdom works one way or another. The gates are open for the kingdom of God, or they're opened up for the enemy. And the enemy wants to come in there to defile them, so you're made inadequate, unable to pull off the things that God called you to do. Because we have been given tools. These tools. Now, another scripture tells you, you know, we don't fight against flesh and blood, right? But it's the spirit realm that we deal with. How do we fight against spirit realm? Yes, you can quote scriptures to them. And that is true. There's power in that. When God gives you, reminds you of a scripture, when you're in a, in a battle with the enemy, you speak those things out and it does have power. But there's greater, there's more power than just that. It says praying tongues at all times. You know why? Do you have to pray in tongues to be saved? No. But you give up one of your big weapons if you do. That's why the enemy wants to close that off to us. But we learn to move in those things. 
We learn to move and understand in those type of things. We learn that we are spiritual beings where we have a set of weapons that we've actually got a lot of dust on. But we can't have the dust on that for this. Especially if you guys are going to be at the West Gate. We have hard stuff. We don't have a lot of people here. And I would love to see a lot more people here. But not a lot of people are going to want to push through what we have to push through. But if you do, who you will become is something that you've only dreamed of becoming. If you choose to do it. If you choose not to, you still have to go through it knowing God. You just won't get the, the benefit of it in the same way. Now, sword in the mouth, word of God, power of God. Those ideas and stuff that I talked about, the scriptures. Remember Ian Clayton, I talked about him, got a lot of the stuff from him. He calls those anchor points. They're foundation points. They're points to, to, uh, to go off into. And so the primary ones are the scriptures. There's the ones that you can feel safest, you can move safest in, and those are good things to do, and you'll learn to move into those things. The second type of things are maybe dreams or visions you've had. Now, Tom had that vision last week. If he, went during worship, looks for that vision again, can see it, because he's already seen it with his eyes, he can take there and take a step and go farther. Because you build on what you have. That's an anchor place. You've seen it. You now have faith for it. It's in your heart. Now it's a place you can go to and take off from there and go farther. So what you're meant to do, that's what you're meant to do. That's what God called you to do. You have your dreams. God speaks to you in dreams. You can go visit one of those dreams again. When you take the dream class, that's what they teach us to do. When somebody's telling the dream, we enter into the dream with them. How do we do that? You remember that with the... uh, uh, with Nebuchadnezzar's dream, I think it was. Yeah, remember that? He wouldn't. He wouldn't allow anybody to interpret his dream. He says, "No, you tell me my dream and what it means. I'm not going to tell you my dream. I'm not going to trust you in that." Lissy, you tell me the dream, and they all, all the people says, "We can't do that." But Daniel says, "Go tell him to sit still because it can't be done." He asked God. He got the dream. He entered into that place. That place where that was at, that's pretty high spiritual power, but the man knew how to work and move in the kingdom power. So he moved into that, saw that, and gave the, uh, gave the interpretation. Because, see, we're called to be able to do things like that. We're called to do that. I've never done that particular one. I'd like to, but I plan to. But we're called to do that. We're called to when we have when we've seen God move enough times and know that his word is more powerful than anything else and we get in the place where we need to, I believe we'll do it. I really do. Because that's what he does. That's a spiritual realm that we have to move into. So there's dreams we can move off into that too. There's uh, just different things that you walk out and see. You know, if we pay attention as we walk around, we'll see different things that God will bring to our, uh, our attention. You can take those things and move off to it. Anytime God brings you to a place where there's some, some point that you know it's him and it's solid ground, that's an anchor, you can pick up there and take a step farther. Why is this important? It's important because when you do this, 
it's not only you'll learn more, move more, and be able to see things and see the plans of the enemy and work, but you also get some other things called a weapon. You know, since the day, the, uh, the greatest weapon probably in that day was probably the sword. And that's why the analogy of the sword coming out of the mouth. But it's a weapon. It's trying to show you, well, you've got the most powerful weapon you can have. And the Word of God. But it's the Spirit is the most powerful weapon. It's not that written Word. Though you can use that and go into there. It's again, it's the Spirit. It is the power. It is the weapon that he's trying to draw your attention to. That's what all that is trying to point to, that it's the weapon. Well, what other weapons are in that arsenal? Have any of you imagined any other weapons? Yeah, and that was one that you were paying attention to what God was saying he showed you. Because he'll show you one. What other ones? I, I talked about one last week or week before. When I remember I told you you have some things and you got that gate of your eyes defiled by something you saw, that you throw it up on a glass, take a hammer in the name of Jesus, break it, and it shatters it? Where do you think I got that? Just like... Yeah, I, I got it from God. What other ones are there? Have you guys even played in that realm before? Think about it. Imagination. Your imagination is one of the gates. It's one of the gates to open you up to understanding. If you see, if you have your hope in God and your faith in God and your focus is on God, it's not on the crap on the outside, but it's on God and those things, then your imagination and you've sanctified it, then God is going to speak through your imagination and show you things. How many of you have had a dream of a machine gun? Any of you? No? You don't have enough fun with this? Okay. That's a weapon. You saw it. It's mine. I, I get in a fight with the enemy. I just spiritually use a machine gun on it. What are those machine guns? They're spiritual things because it's not a weapon that I'm using here. It's a spiritual weapon because I do it. Another one I've used, a whip. Ian Clayton, I was talking to him on the phone. He talked about a whip. I thought, wow, I saw that whip as soon as he said it. I picked up that whip and began to use it. It works. These are not your normal things. Yeah, I've done that before. I've seen that many, many times. And stuff, haven't you? Sibby. You should be paying attention. Sibby. It's on tape, too. Everyone's in here. How many times do you pull things out of people? How many times do you see chains on people and break them? Every time. Spiritual weapon. She knows to do that because of somebody told her to do that, or she watched it, or maybe God showed it to her one time. You don't have to wait for somebody to tell you this stuff. Because to tell you this stuff is like the logos. Logos is the written word of God. Rhema is the breathed word of God. What God speaks to you has the power. Do you have to guide it to the plumb line of the scriptures to make sure you're not way off? You bet you do. Because you can make a mistake. You think you're going to fall and the enemy's going to steal you away forever on that? Then you've been believing the lies of the enemy too long. We have a king that's a lot stronger than that. What, what the scripture says, you know, what one of you would give your kid, what was a snake when he asked for a fish? You know, something to eat. Or bread, I can't remember what it is right now. We wouldn't. And how much greater is our God? How much, how is good Father? He's not going to give you funky stuff. And if you happen to trip and, and make a mistake and pick up something from the enemy, he's going to show you. 
Or you'll have brothers and sisters in the Lord that you talk about, hey, I saw this, what do you think? And we might say, eh, or your friend may say, eh, that's, don't go to everybody. Because most people, any, the stuff I'm talking about right now, think, I'm, think you're crazy. But people that have, they're spiritual people of the kingdom. You can go talk to them and they can say, well, wait a minute, I, this is why not. Then you listen to the counsel. You know, or if you have something that's flat in the scriptures against it, no. But it, there's room for this stuff. There's room for this stuff. You know, I'm going to read to you the uh, International Bible Dictionary's version uh, of what a vision is. I found it interesting. If I can find it. <laughs> okay, biblical visions. It's what they say. Definitions, an altered state of consciousness in which the ex, uh, extrasensory audiovisual experience, usually revelatory in character, are perceived in private by individuals, often prophets or seers. By the way, prophets or seers, there are people who have offices of prophet and seer, but we're all called to prophesy, and we're all called to see. Okay? That's not reserved for just one or two people in the kingdom. We're all called to do that. Some have the office because that's the main thing to do. But every one of you are called to prophesy and see visions. Okay, so uh, the visions themselves may be experienced as uh, occurring written, uh, with, occurring within an earthly setting or may involve uh, apparent out-of-body experiences as, as such as ascensions into heaven. That's what the Bible dictionary says. Or have descended to, into neither worlds. So the understanding by Bible scholars is that something that can be out of the body, it can be just a vision and seeing something, but it's one, for one thing, and sure, it's definitely out of the ordinary. It's not something. We are designed to be that way. I, I don't have the scriptures right off my hand, but I can remember a eunuch being transported, when the apostles being transported, uh, physically taken from one place and moved to another to do things. It's heresy to think that the things of that of the kingdom stop, that God changed and doesn't act the same way that he changes mind. That's heresy. I don't care what some pastor may say, it's heresy. The truth is God's the same yesterday and tomorrow. He does not change his mind. He does the same type of things. He's there. We have an absolute tremendous arsenal of things that we've not even conceived. Yeah. How would you use that? Yeah, but you could also use that spirit realm to press it upon someone's heart. Yeah, you can you can take that. So it's very good. You know, like this morning when we prayed, I said I'm going to do a class action suit. You didn't catch that? <laughs> I said a class action suit against the enemy. That uh, you know, that was a term that I thought you'd be jumping them down about. You must not have been listening. <laughs> very true. Yeah, and with a class action suit, you go even beyond just the people who are there, right? They go with a whole large group, and that means your family members. That's why I use that particular term. 
Very good. Very good. That's the type of stuff. Don't you want to know those type of things? What I'm trying to do is free you up so you can hear God show you those things. I wanted you to free up that, okay, like your vision, God out of the box. Yeah, he's out of the box. He is not confined to that Bible alone. He's far, far greater than that. Very often the church looks at the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. That is heresy. That is not one of the Trinity. It's the Word of God. It's the divine Word of God. I read the thing. I love the thing. I believe it's, it's, it's 100% accurate. I really do. I believe it's a literal thing. But it's not God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit is God. That's not God. That's just His Word was written down. And if you read that thing... There's lots of things in it. I mean, there's things that condemn. You want that one? I don't think so. (laughs) There's the things what it says about the devil. You want that one? I don't think so. So it has to be the living word of God. It has to be the God-breathed word of God. And that's the weapon, not just the written word. Yeah, you can quote, quote things to the enemy when he's bugging you. And if the Holy Spirit's picking that in you, it will have power. If he's not, it probably won't. You'll just be wasting your time. But it is a weapon. There's so many weapons. Yeah. yeah. It's like, why don't you just have a tape recorder? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I have a very bad memory, so I, when people would always talk about memorizing the scripture, I'd think, well, we'll just use a tape recorder or that parrot in there. Maybe it has the same authority, huh? It's a memory, you can parrot stuff, you know? Though memorization is good if you can do it. I'm not very good at it. But I can remember the stuff. I can remember the principles. And God will actually... Oh, Breathe those things in me, and then they have power. So my purpose today is to get you excited about this, that God is freeing you up that you can be able to have a whole arsenal of weapons and not just one solid thing. I was One of the things that we, uh, Arthur Burke talked about yesterday was very interesting. He says that the church has very much been the silver bullet, one single bullet mentality. One thing. And he wasn't talking about the Word of God. He was just talking about whatever it is, this one thing, that's the only thing that worked. But it's the multiplicity of the different principles and different understanding that God uses to make things work. So he, he doesn't want us to be trained like a parrot. That's why he gave us a free will. He wants us to be a, a person that knows him enough that his presence move us and we do the things he's saying at the moment. It's not good enough to know about God. This is good enough. You'll go to hell just knowing about God. If you doubt that, look at Satan. He knows more about God than you'll ever know about God, and he's going to hell. So knowing about God doesn't do it. It has to be ones that are hearers and doers and followers of God, and that means the presence of God comes through you and does the things you want. That's what it's about. That's what you're called to do, and that's the joy and the excitement that we have in in serving a living God that uses living people. So I want you guys to, over this, uh, this week, begin to practice some of this stuff. How many of you, remember I gave that a little, little uh, book marker that had the different gates? Yep. Have any of you used it? Yep. Raise your hand. Yep. I've I used it. I found it awesome. <laughs> I really did. I found it was really, really helpful. You pray through those things to sanctify those different gates. Okay? It's just a tool. If you, if you don't have, did, who didn't get one of those? Why don't you give? 
It's a good tool. Then I want you to, after you've done that, I want you to begin to ask, you know, find, let's, let's start off by finding the scripture and take off from there with it. Now in worship, how it's done very often, very often a good worship leader will get there and they'll get to a song and they'll feel the presence of God and they'll take you back to that song. You ever notice it? They'll, they'll have you go over that same one again and back again. That is one of those anchors to take off from. That's what they do it for. I don't know if they know that's why they're doing it, but that's why they do it. They come to that place and they go back to it and they go back to it again. That's an anchor. You can step on that thing and take a shot up into the kingdom. That's what you're supposed to do. Because we're supposed to go somewhere with this thing, not just sit there. You know, our purpose is to be doers of the word. So try those two things. Work on those things uh, this next week about uh, the, the different gates. Pray over them. You should be doing that all the time. It's powerful. I swear to you, it's powerful. I couldn't believe it after studying about it and teaching about it that I would pull the thing out and do it. And it really worked more powerfully than I expected. It was really good. So do that and then... Allow, take those, take, find a scripture in there and just go into that scripture and see if you can take a step into God. If you haven't, don't be afraid. You know, you know what fear comes from, right? It's the fear, it's the currency of the kingdom of darkness. And when it says fear of the Lord, it's a total different thing. It's a fear and awesome awe for God. We're supposed to have an awe for God. But fear is the currency of the kingdom. Faith is the currency of our kingdom. So that fear thing, you wonder where it's coming from. 99.9% is probably the pet. Don't let that stop you. I remember the first time I ever messed around with New Age people and walked into a New Age store. I was freaked. But when I walked in there, I found out very quickly who's in me is greater than who's in them. And they're freaked of me. And they were. They moved out of my way. <laughs> Somebody, when I first came in, said, oh, can I give you a reading? I said, yeah, I can give you one. You should have seen them. <laughs> no, they're scared to. You know, we have greater authority. Most of us have been trained to believe that if we go in a situation where the enemy is, he's going to overwhelm us, and we're going to end up with a spirit on us, and we're going to be destroyed, and blah blah blah. Lie. That's a lie. You go in their place where the enemy is, and God's sending you to do it. I don't mean you go some stupid place where you shouldn't be. Because you want to be there for the wrong reasons. You're going to get get tar beat out of you. But I mean where God's calling you to do, don't worry about the enemy. You have authority over him. And as you learn these different things and learn to pick up the different arsenal or tools, as Rick said, you will do damage to the enemy. One of the things, I'm just going to close with this. One of the things that uh, Arthur Burke said that really is freeing to me. He talked, he was talking about authority. He says, he gave this example of that when he went to, uh, this, he was a plumber years ago, and he went to this place doing this plumbing, and, and when he walked by, he saw, uh, this cult group doing a whole cult practice. And he walked as quick and he worked as fast as he could to get himself out of there, and his eye began to hurt, and so, matter of fact, the time he got out of there in the car, his eye hurt so bad, he thought he was going to lose sight in it. And finally, he got the stuff off him, and, and God said, you know, there's thousands of plumbers in this town. Why do you think I picked you to be at this place? You were to create havoc for them. You can't go and change them and change their hearts. But you can go mess up their day. And we're called to mess up his day. 
Certain places we don't have realm and authority to do. But we have realm and authority to be there and mess up his day. You know they do it to us. They'll go put stuff up around there. They have, they've had people ask for projecting to this place. I don't know what your theology is, but they do. They're trying to create havoc. They can't rule us. They can't win on us. They can create havoc on us. We can create havoc to them more than they can do to us. So go out and create havoc. Go out there and cause them problems. You see something that's going on. You walk down that promenade. That promenade is, uh, uh, is a uh, uh, ley line of communication. You look overhead. You know what it says? You ever read the banners above you? Huh? Yeah, darkness, darkness. Uh, one of them says that the darkness reflects the light or, or something like that. No, it doesn't. That's a lie. I bless it. This bless thing. They're lying the liar. Create havoc on there. You know, you go by some, uh, uh, the guy doing the readings. Let's go pray for a while around him. Send a spirit over there. It's going to mess him up. He won't be able to do anything. Won't make any money off of it. Good. That's what we're supposed to do. Create havoc. So bless you. May the Lord bless you. His face shine upon you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would... Uh, Confirm in their hearts this is the truth and break at the fear that goes around people when it comes to things such as your kingdom, when they don't understand and we've heard so much wrong teaching. Break the power of that and release your presence and bless each and every person here in their holy name. Amen. Bless you. Have a good week.